Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. You are tuned in to the Vitamin D Podcast, and I'm your host, Dawn Day, here to get you excited about your life. See, here on the Vitamin D Podcast, we're all about shedding light and feeling good, because it feels good to feel good. However, what do you do when you feel as though life has knocked the wind out of you? You know, feeling like as if life is coming at you blow by blow. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you have breath in your lungs, it ain't over. As Les Brown would say, if you can look up, you can get up. Which leads me to my guest today, Karen Righteousoul Malone, a spoken word artist who has stared death in the face on multiple occasions, even at one point, that her only way to survive was by looking up. I was in a car accident recently. It took me six hours to escape. And they finally found me. I had climbed on a broken ankle with my bones sticking out to the top of this cliff. My car landed in like a tree slash ravine area. So if I come out one way of the car, I land in water. If I come out on the other side, I have a view of the sky where I'm looking up at the highway, which ironically, though we don't know how I got out of the car, we know that I got out on the side that was looking up. Hailing from Memphis, Tennessee, she is a woman with a powerful voice and a powerful spirit. We talk about overcoming grief through art and learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So without further ado, it's time for your dose of vitamin D. Get your vitamin D right here with me and get excited about your life. Hello? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you Yay. hear me all right? Yes, ma'am, I can. Thank you for having me. I want to say thank you. I'm glad to be here. Karen, thank you for your gifts and being brave enough to share them with the world. I'm trying. <laughs> you know, I am uh, sitting here and I'm just thinking about the fact that I, I I came across you because I was checking out on Instagram and I'm like, who is this woman that keeps putting up these phenomenal quotes? I'm like, I need to know more about you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I truly believe that our social media platform is an opportunity for us to showcase ourselves to the world in a way where we can either showcase a light or a darkness. And a lot of times when we're going through things, we do choose darkness. Mm. easier thing to grab. So I figured, hey, if I want them to read me as if I'm a book, and even though they can't see me all the time, I need to be able to present a message that stands in my place, almost like the answering machine. If they can't reach me, they still see a message. Um, so it's kind of like that. And that's kind of how I treat my social media, or at least I try to. Okay, so you ready to go today. That's that's what you you came to do on the Vitamin D podcast today. Uh, buckle up, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Listen, I'm telling you right now, my clothes are falling off because I'm jumping out my spirits. Um, <laughs> if you're just tuned in to the Vitamin D podcast, I am talking to a, a slam poet, a phenomenal woman, a woman who has just declared of why the importance of walking in as a messenger. You know, by birthright, she goes by Karen Malone. But if you ask her, that woman behind that pen that's introducing the ink to the paper, she goes by righteous soul. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vitamin D Podcast, Miss Karen Malone. Hey, thank you. Thank you, guys. I, I felt like I had to do the intro like that, considering. Right, let's do the snaps. Snaps, snaps. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know... Again, I love what you said about 
being that message because I had a conversation with a friend today and, um, you know, I'm a believer in God, but whatever your thing is, mm-hmm. we're called to be a messenger because we all have a gift. And we hear it all the time of the importance of being in the now so that it can be a present. But not only can it be a present, but when do we step in the light to present it to someone else? It was so interesting even starting the conversation of what you said and how people use the social media platform where the darkness is showcasing. And Mm -hmm. aha, what I've been telling to each person that has tuned into the Vitamin D podcast is that vitamin D is all about shedding light. Here's the tricky thing, Karen. And this is what I want to unravel with you. And I choose to unpack and and, and kind of break down with all my other guests and different points that I make is to understand that when we talk about seeing the light and understanding with the light, there's a way you can see the direction in which you're going. But just like the sun and just like a light bulb, it doesn't ask permission, nor does it give notice as to where it's going to shine. See, it goes back to what you were saying. It's just being in the moment of being present and it just has the light. But what happens with the light, Karen? It's going to show the good and the bad. Yeah. Put a light on us and it's going to show everything like a microscope. So let's get this conversation going as if we haven't already. Let's let's really dive in. (laughs) Tell me about um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who is Karen Malone and how does she transcend into righteous soul? Um, both of those people are completely different than they were about to go. Um, I was in a car accident recently. It took me six hours to escape. And um, when they finally found me, um, I had climbed I had climbed on a broken ankle with my bones sticking out to the top of this cliff. My car landed in like a tree slash ravine area. So if I come out one way of the car, I land in water. If I come out on the other side, I, I, I have a view of the sky where I'm looking up at the highway, which ironically, though we don't know how I got out of the car, we know that I got out on the side that was looking up, thankfully. Um, and the part about that that amazes me is it could have been the other way around and knowing me and my not fear of water, but me not knowing where I am, if I had landed in water, it would have been a totally different outcome. And because of where my car landed, no one was going to find me. Like no one was going to find me. It was one of those moments where it's you versus you. And all you have to do is conquer you to get to the top. So Karen and Righteous Soul, due to that accident, came out differently. There's a part of me that did die that night the part that was supposed to. And um, had I not been in that accident, you would be talking to the old me. And if you would be talking to the old me, it could have been the course in which I can't, I probably would have been on a different course and not be speaking with Miss Dodd today. So um, I think Karen helps Righteous Soul transform because she allows her not to forget where she came from. Um, My poetry journey started um, after a house fire that took the lives of my two cousins. I was in there and um, I, I escaped, my my siblings escaped and my brothers risked their lives to try to get all of us out of that 14 people in a four bedroom home. You know how, you know how we did it back then. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when my pen came to life. I started journaling, trusting the, the word. I started um, just digging deeper. And as a kid, I was that kid that was, um, born before her time you know they always called me an old soul and I do feel like there's someone older in me guiding me even through my mistakes so 
Karen has to step out of the way when it's time for righteous soul because Karen is damaged. Karen has experienced so much trauma starting from that fire, literally starting from that fire that um, she couldn't stand on her own if she wanted to. She's weak. So righteous is where she gets that strength to say, hey, I have to be this message because there are other Karen Malones out there in other forms and other people um, that needs that need that need you. They need what you have. And if right, if Karen is too weak to do it, God has to use righteous. And so I'm going to put righteous in the spotlight because Karen, she she's not going to be able to do what I need her to do. And um, because I was wise enough to learn that early on, I knew when to step into what role and when to put the other one down. And um, that wasn't always an easy thing. But when I learned it, I remember doing better. And so they come at two different times. Um, They're one, but one was birthed from the pain um, in order to be strong enough to do what the other one couldn't do. So that's how I would explain that. Wow. And and listening, um, you're talking about the fire. So Righteous was birthed after the accident. But yes. as far as when the pen made the paper, that was your release after the fire. That was after the fire. You know, we what they don't talk about when people are in house fires is when there is a, a loss, when you lose two children. One was um, mentally, uh, physically and mentally handicapped. And the others, and those were my aunt's only two kids. So when you lose that, it, it was young for me because I was nine. So I just remember grieving differently than my my older siblings or than the parents who understood what was going on. Um, people blame you. They 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 blame my mom had 10 kids, nine of which were in that house that night. They blame how did all of y'all escape? And the other two not, not realizing that one of them actually did get out of the house, but she went back around another ride her sister out so from that I started hearing people talk and my mom couldn't hear it because she wasn't around whenever she was around they were like stay as long as you need or um, we're here for you or let us know if the kids need anything but when she when she left there was um that how did y'all all escape out of that fire and then they died it should have been y'all and we heard that we, we heard people say those cruel things in the midst of kids because they think Kids don't know. Kids aren't understanding. Like we understand what it means that you should have died and someone else should have lived. Oh my! But, yeah, but that's not how. That's not the way the cards were. We're dealt this hand that we have to learn how to play. Amen. But what we forget about the hand is that when the game is over, you get a new hand. Like you get to play it another time. Like you can't be stuck in the hand that you got dealt that felt bad. So um, I try not to be stuck in that moment, but. A poet arose that night, um, but again, another person died. You know, that, that, that little kid that wasn't going to be able to hang around those two cousins anymore, that wasn't going to be able to get into those little rival, rivalry type of fights with your cousins. Uh, it, when, you, when you experience trauma so young, you grow up old. You know, your, your soul starts understanding that it could have been me. Like that could have been me. And and so, no, I don't think like the average person. And I'll die never thinking like the average person because I'm always thinking that every time that I got that close call with death, that it could have been me. And so I'm, I'm just a different kind of breed when it comes to that. So that pen birthed someone so unique that I can't explain her. And she's too powerful for some, but 
just, you know, it's it's like revelations. Mm. I'd rather read Proverbs than revelations because revelation scares me. So on any given day, I think some people would rather read um, Karen than righteous because righteous scares them. So um, that's it. Honestly. Righteous is the revelation. <laughs> she, she's scary, um, but she's brave. She's very brave. So tell me, uh, so you describe Karen as the fearful young girl. And, and, and did she become that way or was she that way due to the fire or just in general? I think she was born with holes in her. You know, um, those uh, single parent households, um, not having the, the parent having both parents, but that doesn't make you weak because you don't have both parents. But you start looking at your holes. You start seeing that there are, part of, there are parts of you that will never become whole mm. because you have so many holes in you. And it starts from looking at other households and seeing that, oh, there's a mom and dad there or, you know, um, oh, their family loves a little differently than ours or, you know, my religious upbringing. You have to keep in mind, I am a, a black gay woman. You know, so I had parts of me that I had to hide. Karen had to hide a lot. So she was never brave because she was always going to be trying to think about what would people think? What would people say? Or I didn't get that life. My hand was dealt differently. So she was kind of, she's kind of weaker. She's that damaged good. She's good, but she's so damaged that she has to have an alias in front of her to push forward strongly. So she she's weak. It reminds me that of similar like a diamond, like this whole process and even the journey of having to be cold, a cold and all the pressures. Then you're realizing those holes, as you describe them, I'll call them, you know, different slits, different cuts. But here's right. the difference th- that I hear from you is that righteous is the one that steps in the light. Yeah. That's similar to a diamond. When you put it in the light, it's going to shine. And those same holes that perhaps, as you're explaining, that Karen could not see. <laughs> Righteous is using it nothing but a reflection and we see it in the words. You better stall. <laughs> right. That's absolutely amazing. So you, you had that experience of having the, the fire. And I can understand of how much, that's a lot of weight to carry. It's just, you know, things of how it slows you down, it pulls you down, it has you second guessing. It's those moments of, you know, sometimes you can be on your path in life and it's mm-hmm. that distraction that makes you look to the left or the right. And it's just a split second, but you realize that every time you've been off that millisecond, adds to another second, then it's 30 seconds, mm-hmm. then it's a minute, then who knows? It could be days, months, years, so forth. Exactly. So I won, like I said, and when we opened up on this, this episode, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, what I think and and what I feel is so beautiful, and I'm hoping that this is what I would love for people to receive as they hear your story and to hear your wonderful accomplishments. Uh, The beauty of that and how I like to describe it is that of just as though I explained like the diamond. You know, what I think that that people want to hear is how those pressures, when it were a diamond, it was a piece of coal. But to Mm -hmm. you, this is your Karen. Tell me how your art that you've used in your words and, and have received uh, several acclamations and, um, you know, definitely moved up in, in what you're doing. How have you been able to find the beauty in your pain? Life that when I inhale and I exhale, it's just a reminder. I'm always reminded for as long as I'm breathing that that 
opposite way. So I, I find it in that, like the beauty is in you did not get taken away. Like and that doesn't, and I hate saying that because, you know, people say that, um, oh, I, I'm blessed and highly favored. Um, God could have taken me and he didn't, but he took some other people. So are we saying they are less blessed and less highly favored? So I try to kind of steer away from terminology like that. Um, but I do feel like there was a favorable light on me that, um, been anyone else or tried to pretend to be anyone else to date, my light couldn't have shined the way it did or mm. the way it is. Um, and it's easy when you have so many skeletons to pretend to be someone that has me. You know, it's easy to, to pretend not to be in a closet. Um, it's easy to dress things up. So I think the beauty is in breathing and realizing that I'm aware. I'm alert on a level that's unheard of at all different stages of my life. And I'm thankful because I could be naive and and not realizing the different things that I know or wondering, because a lot of times I was wondering, like, why am I so different? You know, why am I so different? And that different became rare. Like God substituted the word. I kept saying different, but what I meant was rare. And so when he got me to believe that I was rare, started acting like oh say it again say it and that's the truth like when he got me to find and when he finally convinced me sweetie you're not different and and, and you don't want to put special in quotations you are rare and so rare that i have to get you to see it first like until he made me believe that i didn't i just thought of different as a bad thing and then he had to change my Technology to see you are not different sweetheart you are rare and it's so rare that i'm gonna have to knock you down shake you up a bit for you to realize it but when i do you will understand what i mean by rare and it's not just the typical people throwing out oh i'm rare you know god made me different it's a whole nother ball game of rare and he got me to a level of thinking that now i believe him like, and I see why I'm so rare. Um, at such a time as this is needed. And, and and we can't have a lot of different people walking around. We need a lot of rare people walking around so we can make the difference. Different people don't always make difference. You know, don't always make a difference. It's the rare people that really go above and beyond once they understand why they are so rare. You can't you can't say why you're chosen, but to know that, that you're rare and someone did decide to do that and, and you were the vessel that they used it makes you feel kind of special and you know a <laughs> couple things that stood out um i love your analogy of talking about the rarity of things because that's when you see the beauty of it and even when we talk on the vitamin d podcast we talk about how you are your greatest asset and it's so much so you want to love on yourself to be so much fool and we said a couple of things, you know, even starting off, we talked about how with righteous, you know, it's kind of, it's showing the light and how you've used your social media platform as a medium, very different from others to showcase that light rather than the darkness. But then I had even what you just said right here. You said, while God had told you the seed that you are to 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 bear the fruit that we all to eat from, because I'm eating when I hear you. Thank you. Um, you said that you were allowed to see yourself. And I don't think that a lot of people are. Now, 
I really loved and I was excited about it, having this conversation with you because I was like, wow, I, I felt like there's a great debate because it's not a right or wrong. It's just like the challenge in the mind. So here I go. Now, one thing that you said that I think would be interesting because I, I would tell somebody the, the other, you said it's easy to put the skeletons in the closet. It's easy to hide away things. I think that may be a, a, a lie that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've just gotten so numb and I feel like a lot of people are just numb of existing. But see, when you're alive and you're living, you're feeling. So I'm interested to see because, yeah, you could have stayed in the closet and said it was easy to hide all those things, but look at how you're exuberating with the light. Then on the right. same token... I listen and I say, a friend and I, we were just having a conversation about this. And we were talking about how, you know, 2020 is the year we're going to see things straight. You know, just like you said, being that rarity, being that anointing. And when you truly step in yourself, okay? And I'm learning this. When you truly step in yourself and you're like, okay, I'm going to make a decision to be great. And being great is simply signing up on the dotted line who you were destined to be, okay? Here's the thing that I feel, and I want to hear you. There is a trial, I feel, when you actually decide to show up as you, and sometimes we hear it in the quote, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Because there is something different of being numb in a situation and you step in the room and you can say, I see you and getting and understanding and being okay with the fact that you are going to see the good and the bad. So my question for you, when you say easy, what did you mean by that? When it's finally time for you to be you, that's Mm. uncomfortable. It seems, and, and if you've gone so long without being you, you don't even know what that looks like. Um, so you, you, you're scared. It's just easier to just throw stuff in. Like right now I could take some things around my room. I have a pretty neat room. I could take some things around my room and just throw them in the closet. That was an easy task for me to do. It was harder to just take time, fold them up, present them well, you know, hang them up in the closet. It takes a lot of more time rather to, to unveil. It takes more time to unveil and it feels easier. And let's go with the feeling of easier. No, it's not easy. It feels easier to do to be comfortable, you know, because if I'm not, when you remove comfort, now I'm uncomfortable. And not just being uncomfortable, now I'm scared because I don't even know what me is anymore. Like, what is me if I've never been her? You know, so that's what I mean, really. You know, it feels easier to just open my closet door right now, throw some things in there and get back later. But when later comes, I don't remember what my closet used to look like. You know, like, I don't know what it should look like because I've never been it before. Like, I've never, it's never been the way it should have been from the beginning because I never allowed it to. So that's what I mean by it. Mm. Well, (laughs) receive it. And even what you were saying is a word for me. And it's something that I talked about in uh, two episodes ago uh, with a gentleman named Purvis Taylor. And it was about survival mode. And it was all about being a parent of the different trials and tribulations that have may have occurred your way and how you're dealing with it now. Basically allowing the wound to heal. And I said, one of the things that I'm in transition about is that I am getting my home in order. 
I grew up in a situation of just like what you say, hiding, whether it be emotion, maybe your sexuality, maybe it would be, um, I don't know, whatever it is that you hold with shame, it's that weight that you carry. And so for me, I can relate that in an everyday situation of not knowing how to put things away because my mother carried so much depression. She wanted to hold on to everything. It was a memory. And so just like when you talk about stepping into a new thing, you can't step into a new thing when you're hoarding yourself with old things. So whether that is a relationship, whether that is your closeted emotions, whether that is your sadness, it's still something that's taking room. And just like you said, huh, you said that I'm here to be a messenger. You can't be a messenger if you don't allow the message to flow. So if I'm asking for these blessings and I'm asking room, where are the blessings going to fit to flow? Because when we ask for blessings, we're not just asking for one, right? It's the ever flow. Rain down on me. Just let it rain, right? So I thought about exactly what you said and, and how that related to me. And I want people to realize that I'm having such a beautiful immersion with my life. And just as how you said of, how when you do have to unpack what it takes because you are uncomfortable. And when you talked about caring and you talked about righteous soul, you said righteous was the revelation, right? And in the book of revelations is scary. You, it's like I just had a revelation about the revelations of the revelation that's coming with dawn. What do I mean by that? I've been telling people consistently. I've even told Ian, my assistant, my producer, who you've been in contact with, how this is a beautiful moment in time and life. Because you are either going to be uncomfortable if you stay the same or if you grow. Mm -hmm. You only stop growing when you're dead. And when you said that it's easier to step in the room when the lights are off, it just reminded me that when you're coming to live and do a new thing, things have a tendency to stretch and grow. So I want to talk to you next. And just like I was saying with my mother and the things that I've carried, there are a couple of things that you and I share. And that's that both of our parents have been deceased. I want to talk to you about, you know, the loss of your parents and how that has aided or kind of hindered your growth as in righteous soul. I think how you lose your matter, not that you lost them initially. Um, It's one thing to lose them. But I think sometimes when you lose people in a peaceful manner, you can kind of deal with that a little bit better because, you know, oh, they went, you know, maybe without pain or, you know, oh, they had time to prepare. You know, some people are battling cancer and they have, you know, uh, chemotherapy they go through and they have different stages. And then some stages start preparing them if they're not going to make it. The doctors say, hey, you have this amount of time to live and, you know, let's let the family know if they're going to let the family know. And so I think when you don't get that and you just get, oh, you know, your dad was in a police brutality situation and your mom had an aneurysm. My niece came home from school and found her on the floor. Um, She was still, you know, with us at that moment. But by the time she lived in the country, so it was like a 45-minute wait for an ambulance, but she had already been laying on that floor for God knows how long. So I think knowing that my parents suffered, suffered before making their transition to whatever else is next, um, that hurts me a lot. So I try not to think about it. And um, I try not to think about that part. And I try to think about all the ways that um, I can live their legacy in a way where they'd be proud if they were watching. I know they're not because who watches 
this kind of hell that we're living in. Like who would want their parents looking down to watch any of what we're dealing with right now? No one. I wouldn't anyway. I want them wherever they are, you know, peacefully transition, um, hopefully from this pain of life. But, you know, when I think about my parents, I think we don't give our parents, especially the older parents, enough credit. I think it's easy to look at oh, you know, I didn't have this growing up or, you know, I didn't have the best of, of this world or, you know, my parents were super strict and we forget they were humans. Humans that in the era where mental health wasn't in the spotlight, where they weren't able to get the same kind of help or assistance that they needed. And I know my mom being an unwed woman with 10 kids, you know, and then the, most of them came back to back to back to back. And now my heart, my heart is is heavy for her. My heart is heavy for the ridicule she must have went through. The ridicule she must have went through, um, trying to bring us into this world and 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 keeping us. She there was a point where she could have said, "You know what? I got too many kids. You know, I don't have maybe enough help or assistance. I'm going to not have some of them." And the fact that she kept going and she allowed us to live in a world where people are, are, are having abortions left to right um, in an age where mental health wasn't being cared for, you know, where people weren't really taking time to either see therapists or talk how they want to talk their problems out because that wasn't what they did. You know, it's sometimes that was a, a generation where, you know, it's better to keep certain things in than to tell the world about them or, you know, uh, what happens in this house stays in this house. I better not found out you went talking our business to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I hate that for my parents. Like, I hate that that was what, came, what they came from. All for me to have to, uh, I'm going to live my best life. I'm going to tell people, you know, um, that I, I like women. I'm going to declare that. And I only did it after my parents died because I, I cared about my mom and her religious um, associations enough to wait that out. You know, I care. And, and that's what we do wrong. We, we care about the wrong things and the wrong people in a sense. Um, when you need to live your best life, your parents shouldn't be at the forefront of why you don't get to live it. You know, we think they should. Um, we should respect them enough to have dialogue with them. The communication, effective communication is missing. And um, it was missing um, and it's still missing in different pieces today. So when I think about my parents, I think about I hate that they had to leave this earth the way they did. I rest their souls. But I know that um, those silent killers like aneurysms and heart attacks and things creep up on us. And it can happen to any of us at any given moment. And we may not always have help right there when we transition into this next life. That is a reality that God has taught me to accept. Because the, the longer I battle not accepting it, the 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 further I prolong my 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 resurrection so to speak mm -hmm. and so I started understanding my parents from a different light and the moment I started doing that I, I started being blessed in a different way because I was I forgot they were human um you better say it I kept forgetting they were human so every time I got maybe mad or had to feel like you know mom was being strict again because of our religious upbringing and and I just realized now look at all you've gone through as an adult all the way from that nine-year-old kid that was in the house fire. Look at all the things. You are different and you, I mean, you are rare in a way where you get it. Everyone does not get it. Everyone will not get it. And because you get it, you have to keep in mind your parents were 
a lot of things. Let human be one of them. Oh. And then I started letting them be human. And, and that changed my whole way of, of loving and living for them. And, and realizing that it isn't uh, conditional. And I think that was something I, that's why I know that things are in alignment and I can feel it. Ah, And I say that because just everything you said, but just when you said about human, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I said, it's so interesting that when you do lose somebody you love, because the first thing you only want to talk about the appraisals and the good thing. But just like you said, there's a lot of things on us that we have to be unpack. And even just talking to the African-American community, and I'm saying speak specifically to us because that's what I subscribe to. And a lot of those um, ways of living, hush, hush, secret, secret. There's a lot of things that's been constricted. But can you blame it? We've been constricted since we got here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you talk about stroke, heart attack, High blood pressure. There's a restriction of flow. Things aren't flowing. But guess Mm -hmm. what? We came in a boat. We came on chains. We told to be quiet. Everything hold it back. Now I don't sew anything. Now I can't feel what I want to feel. But it's so beautiful because I think about that. And while I was talking to a friend, it led to a conversation with my sister about how things weren't talked about and how you do have to give the, the, the best that you can and do the best that you can with what you have. And then the only fault becomes as an adult, only you are responsible before you, for your healing. And it's that point. And that's what I love about your work because your work is about processing the healing. And I think it's something that's so monumental because just like you said, like, and you're talking about whether it be certain families, that whole cover-up. How can you heal? It has to air out. If the light doesn't come in, I can't see what's right or wrong. How? What, what, What is the expectancy? What are we gauging it from? What is the measurements that we're trying to hold ourselves to? Right. And I just think that that's just so beautifully, it was just well put how you said, like, Hey, they're human, which also led me to say or to think that you gave a you've given a grace to yourself about even some things that you may have thought about them, things that you've said. But more importantly, how you're looking at seizing the opportunities in life. And I think that's what people have to realize is how are you transcending? As you said, how are you resurrecting? But only to get there, it's going to take, like we said, and starting the conversation What's the revelation that you're having in your life? And that's the first thing you said. It was the wake up call, the wake mm-hmm. up to me coming into a new thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things that I talked about, and I thought that it was so beautiful uh, because you talked about writing and, and I, I definitely want to share some of your piece. One of the things I'm interested in, in, in knowing, because since we are talking about healing, I want to play uh, one of your poems um, and I want to, play pink ribbon in the sky uh, because I received healing from that and about the whole moment of grabbing life by the horns and taking advantage of every living and breathing second. So I wanted to just really quickly, if you wanted to give an introduction and then we'll go ahead and talk about it. So what, uh, to pink ribbon. Pink, it's one of those poems I honestly think speaks for itself. Um, it's one I, I I haven't given an introduction to since the, the I did it, and it's 
because it highlights so many different points on its own that me uttering senseless words, so to speak, is just prolonging you hearing a, a strengthening message. So I'm not even going to, there's nothing for me to introduce about this particular poem. And I just ask that um, whoever is hearing it, that it doesn't fall on deaf ears and that they are able to receive something from it. All right. So let's take a listen. Here it is. Pink ribbon and the sigh. Um, this is off of your po- spoken word album, The Evolution of Righteous Soul. I come alive for moments like this because I've had my whole life to practice. I'm under construction, but tonight I have to hit the hammer on the nail exactly. There's not a pink ribbon you can tie or a minute you can buy. When you realize cancer was the only thing living in them when they died and it may take your breath away when you have to look back. I know cancer's a big threat, but I also know a God much, much bigger than that. So what doesn't kill us makes us stronger than radiation and chemo and spiritual treatment can bring growth and motivation far greater than we know it's still a mystery which I try not to let get to me why good things happen to the bad and bad things happen to good people I'm convinced Adam and Eve sowed the seeds and we all would have to reap them so I soar like an eagle with a pink ribbon in my claw and I'll come down when hell freezes over or when heaven unthaws the movie of your life can only move forward when you take it off pause pause for a minute this moment will never come again so be completely in it cell phones down and heads up and let this poem eat away at your soul like spiritual bed bugs life isn't fair we all pay a fine and life's toll some lose our hair some lose our minds but blessed are those who in the middle of it all can still find their souls which isn't an easy task at all it's much easier to see the downside of things in the middle of your fall but lose someone you love in the matter of seconds and you learn to value every minute and if we look at our purpose in life we'll see that we're not really in it so I don't waste time writing careless rhymes when we're living in perilous times you may not care about your life but I definitely care about mine enough to plant a seed in yours action speaks louder than words when you learn what you're doing this for losing someone shines a light as bright as the big dipper and I've been waiting to exhale but I could breathe a bit quicker if I had a little help getting you to see the big picture i know the feeling all too well when death removes leaves from your family tree so i know that holding tears in will chain you in a state that would have otherwise set you free so let them out let them flow let them be if you wrong someone it's not too late to make it right but if you wait until death puts a chokehold on your life not a soul in sight will be able to free you from a hold that tight so while you can say I love you say forgive me say I didn't mean it say what you feel inside the worst feeling in the world is letting someone go to their graves because you held on to pride see I know what that feels like in real life it's like someone is carving the cracks in your heart with a steel knife rest in peace dad 
my bad. I dug that ditch, but I'm still reaching for the sky. And I don't expect an amen, cause I've been preaching to the choir. There's nothing I can tell you that you haven't already heard. And if my life wasn't led by action, this would just be a pile of words. You are survivors, so that means you survived. But I know many people who are living and I wouldn't call it being alive. Cause they killed every chance they ever get to thrive. I praise God through the storms, the tests, and the trials. It hurt when he took my mom. But 27 years was more than enough time for us to smile. I'm here today because the one who lives in me died. And that's all the encouragement I'll ever need to stay alive. I, righteous soul, salute all who have lived and all who have died. There was a lot encompassing um, in that. One of the things that uh, definitely I'm interested in, because it sounded like you hit so many aspects of your life, got me throwing on my hair all around. And stuff. <laughs> you <laughs> talked about so many aspects of your life, is that you mentioned about your dad. You mentioned about the pink ribbons. You talked about people with chemo and cancer. Like I lost my mother to stage four breast cancer. Oh, wow. How as your poetry serving as a means of healing yourself, what have you learned from yourself? I learned that I can pain that I've never experienced because I'm living in a different truth. Um, I've never experienced the loss of, of anyone through uh, cancer. Um, but I was uh, commissioned to write a poem for breast cancer awareness. And um, my life, um, my apology to my dad in there and my, uh, you know, okay, I got to let my mom go type of thing. I did have people who dealt with cancer. Um, so I, I learned about me that I'm able to pull pain no matter where it's coming from. I'm able to pull it and weave it into my actual truths um, to come up with a bigger message for a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. I learned that about myself. Um, before, I can't, I, I don't really write poems that I can't identify with. You know, I, I don't, I don't know how. And then there came a point in my life where I'm being commissioned to write about love when I've only known heartbreak. So it's like, how do you weave together a poem from things you've never experienced. And that's when you really have to tune in to that other part of you that is able to receive um, such enlightenment from a higher power um, enough to bless people with a different message than you're used to. So I learned that about myself and I'm able to talk about pain now, whereas before I thought I only had to talk about my pain. Um, and that's not the case. I now I'm able to talk about pain in general and it reaches people who are dealing with that pain versus me thinking, oh, I only have to talk about what it is that I'm going through. That was selfish of me to ever think. Wow. And I commend you for that. And I think that's beautifully well said because I think oftentimes that we think we have to share the same story to walk down the same path. Forgetting that what led us to the path in the first place. Right. Because a loss is a loss. Love is love. Um, and that goes across the board for anything. It's not a measurement of how much is worse or less because what my threshold is can be different from yours. But I can, I, I can illustrate to you the joy or the despair that it has me feeling when I'm experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And so that had me thinking of um, a lot of your pieces because oftentimes I would think that people are writing about something that they personally experienced themselves. Another piece that stood out to me a lot is what I saw on your Instagram account 
and it was entitled Monsters. And oh. it just reminded me, um, you know, just talking about the shame and how we cover up in the African-American community. Uh, and mental health, we don't talk about. <laughs> and the, the amount of traumas that we've instilled in us probably since conception, um, okay. we haven't unleashed. So is mental some, health something that you deal with or is this something that you are relaying the message on? I'm a rational thinker. I'm very logical. Um, I have not suffered from mental health issues. I failed to realize at some point that I was surrounded by people who have. I think my light was drawing sick people. And so sometimes you're like, man, why am I surrounded by all these people with so many issues? And you've got to realize that medicine is given to the sick. So I was thinking that, you know, oh man, I should be surrounded by some more stable people. Like, like really going through some things like, well, I can't, I'm too rational of a thinker to be able to help them until I humbled myself and realized, sit down, Karen, get off of your high horse and, and let me teach you something really quickly. Your light is drawing people who need healing. And you think that you should be drawing people who are already healed. That is not what I called you for. And so I had to realize that there were some friends, you know, you keep dealing with certain things with friendships. And I'm like, why am I constantly like butting heads with this person? Or what is going on with them where they see my light as a, a, a weapon versus what it's there for. And I realized that, um, I mean, later on, I noticed that a couple of friends, those same friends got either were diagnosed or realized that they had some mental trauma or mental issues that they were dealing with. And some of them weren't taking medicine or anything for it. And when I realized that, I said, now that explains it. And not only did it explain it, it gave me a different sympathy for them. So instead of saying, oh, I'm not hanging around that person today or I, I'm putting them, you know, we live in a council generation or a cutoff generation. Some people don't need to be cut off. You just need stitches for them. So it's like people, some people just want to cut, like cut the arm off. That arm could have healed with just stitches. You wanted to cut a whole arm off and that's not how you fix something, you know? And so I hate our cut off, cancel people. I hate that about us because then we never get to heal or learn how to heal with people because we never tackled the issue. We were always trying to, if somebody did anything wrong, anything, uh, cutting them off. I've seen that because sometimes it helps you to be familiar with a certain kind of pain where you can spot it coming. Right. Yeah. Like if you become acquainted with, with me and we became friends and I started seeing in you some traits of some of the issues I saw in someone else and, and they, they're just not things in you that I want to be around. The first thing a cutoff culture or a cancel culture person would do is cut you off. Like you're canceled. I don't want to talk to you, period. Because I see too many traits in you like my ex or like my other friend that I went through some stuff with and I'm not trying to go that direction. That kind of person never learns to tackle issues. They never learn to get over the mountain because when they saw the mountain, they thought it was going to present the same obstacle that the last person brought to them. That mountain was something you were supposed to learn how to climb. Now when you get to mountains, you turn around. That's not how it's supposed to be. When you get to a mountain, you either learn to climb or learn to go around it. 
People don't do that anymore. They see the mountain and they're like, nope, I saw that mountain before my ex or I saw that mountain before my old friend who I'm not friends with anymore. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back. And so instead of you moving forward, you push yourself back so much that you now do not know how to climb a mountain when you see it. Your first instinct is I'm cutting them off. Now you don't know how to deal with people and you you sure don't know how to deal with you because you are sometimes toxic too. So yeah, I haven't personally dealt with mental health issues, but I've been surrounded by a plethora of, uh, of people who have and now I love them in a different way. I don't cut them off, but there's a different way to love them. They're mountains to me, but I don't go backwards in order to find or find another mountain. Like I, I, I face the mountain and figure out now how can I get through to, to this person side. or how can I love them differently without cutting them off because I never get to face the problem if I'm always cutting it off. Or, or moving backwards to go around, if that makes sense. I'm shaking my head. I'm leaning back because I'm we're, I'm receiving what you the word that you have for me because you signed up to be diligent. And who would have known? See, and that's why I tell people with vitamin D, it's just not for everyone else. It feeds me too, and I feel like every gift should be that because I am I'm a very open, I'm a very vulnerable person. Perhaps my whole mechanism or shield that I'll say is that, and maybe it's something like you said, that's toxic or twisted. I'm not saying I'm mad at you. I'm just not going to deal with you. I'm going to deal with you from a distance. I even tell people all the time, you have to deal with certain people like you have a white outfit on, right? You're very particular who comes close. Well, Karen, you're singing another tune. And again, I'm intrigued to you by your mind. And, 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 and your thought process behind it because I see it. So then I stand and I'm thinking, or I sit as I talk to you. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, you're saying that if you're coming across somebody who is giving you all the red flags, why am I subjecting myself to it? Even as dawn right now, I'm in a transitional moment. I am getting home in order. I see how God is putting blessings. I see how everything that I'm asking for is coming. But like you said, I'm so uncomfortable that tears are being shed in the interim, my polish so that I can be ready for this shine. I've had to do away with certain people, even in this moment of my life, because I'm in a situation where I'm moving forward and me constantly having to look over because I'm not certain where your your uh, your mindset is. I'm not certain what your attention intention are. I even had to tell a friend like I need a break because I can't see you. And the thing, because I've asked God and kind of like what we talked about before, heavy is the head that wears the crown. When you ask God to see the light, it's the good and the bad. So yeah. you're telling me people that I don't, my spirit Ian and I were just talking about this yesterday where my spirit isn't comfortable. Cause that's what we talk about the vibe or the vibration, and we talk about living, you have to move. You're telling me if I don't feel the vibe that I should still keep you in my company? No, I'm saying you love them in a different way. And I say that because um, you said you you needed a break, right? Mm -hmm. To climb a mountain, you need a break. (laughs) Like there's like, if you walk a certain amount of, of the journey, 
and you finally get to this mountain, I'm already tired from the journey I just came from. There's no way I can tackle this mountain that's right in front of me without one, taking a break. And then after you take such a break, what you learn differently is the mountain may not even be viewed the exact same way as you viewed it before. Like at first you were looking at a mountain. Now it's looking like a molehill because I was able to uh, take a break, adjust, or readjust and deal with them differently does not mean keep them in your company. Like I have someone now that keeps messaging, hey, you know, what can I, and they may hear this and I don't mind hearing what can I do to help you? Or, you know, can we, can we do this again? Or can we hang out? Or can you do this with me? And that's a no, that's a hard no for me. Um, and that no comes after so many times of dealing with this person and being wounded. There is only so many times you can approach a dog and it attacks you before you realize I probably don't need to be associating with that dog or coming close to that dog. But that does not mean that I disappear or that I remove myself entirely from the dog. At some point, I learned how to cross this dog without getting bit. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes you're going to need a break and it's not going to be. You won't even look at that mountain the same. And two, what you're doing for that friend that you need a break from is teaching them one. Okay, this person needs a break from me. They're thinking now. Like what about and you can't be the only one that's taking a break from this friend. So it has to be a trail of evidence that they're leaving that is making them a toxic person in someone else's life. So you're not the only one that has them now thinking like, hmm, people are taking breaks from me. I'm getting into it with people a lot. What could I do differently? Sometimes these things that we do are going to cause a real cause a ripple effect that is going to allow someone else to adjust their character simply by the one action that we did. So I'm not saying, um, don't cut anyone off or keep them in your midst. I'm saying that if the dog got to live next door to me, I got to find a way to cross to the other side without getting bit, you know, and that's just it. Even if it means talking to the owner, in my case, the owner usually is my creator. Lord, I have to, I have to get past this dog. And if I got to get past this dog, I need you to teach me how or show me how or owner, your dog is kind of biting me every time I try to even, you know, come in his midst. I need to be able to get to work into these different places in life. And I can't with your dog biting me. Can you please do something about that? And if you are adamant and you are genuine, it will eventually work for you. It may take some time. You never know if you quit. You will never know if you quit, but it will take time and you will get there. I do believe that. I love that because at the end of the day, you cannot allow somebody to disrupt your flow in your path. And if you're saying, like you said, you're approaching this mountain, even if you got to take a break, conquering or getting to the other side is the key. And whether that's another side of understanding this person or like you said, even understanding yourself, but it's all about honoring self. Whether it's a temperature check to say it's me, so let me see what's going on, or or let me see what is it about in this time frame that doesn't work for me. I love that. And I learned that from a speaker uh, similar to what you're saying from Lisa Nichols of how you said it's a hard no. And I tell people all the time, sometimes you have to allow your no to others to be the yes to yourself. It's just your boundaries, your limit and limitations. And you have to teach people how to treat you. Because if it doesn't serve you, it doesn't deserve you. And, and, and that's a, a, a two-way street. <laughs> I can't offer up where I can't bring to the table. 
So as I, I'm, I'm just listening and, 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 you know, just further unraveling of the beautiful uh, mind of Karen Malone, a.k.a. Righteous Soul, I can't help but wonder, like, despite how many obstacles that have come your way, how have you been able to truly honor and to move forward with your ambition? I think I remember to pause. Um, if I miss something in a movie, I, I sometimes rewind it. And then I pause like or I pause it if I have to go do something during the movie. I do that with life, too. Um, if I miss something in life, I remember to to rewind to figure it out how to what what either what allowed me to get through that thing last time or two. Do I need to take a different approach? I think I'm able to get through life that way. I'm remembering to pause, you know, take that breath if you need to, take that break if you need to, but then you have to figure out a way around this thing that's in front of you. And to me, it's life. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten knocked down, but I swear to you, I can tell you there has never been a time I didn't get up. And it's, uh, I don't know. And to me, I think it's because it's been embedded in me that if you don't get up, you die. Like you don't, if I if I didn't get out of that car, I was going to die. In my moment, I I, I paused for a minute because there were things I was being knocked uh, back unconscious. So there were moments where I was awake, trying to get out of this car. I remember falling asleep, banging uh, my nails got bloody from trying to bang the window uh, out of the car. And then I was like, okay, pause for a second. And when I paused, I dozed back off. When I woke up again, I was out of the car. I don't remember ever getting out of the car on my own. I remember everything else about that car journey. Like I remember everything else. Um, the initial crash made me unconscious, so I don't remember the, you know, the impact impact. But after that, when I was able to get up and I was able to look up, I said, "Okay, there's three routes that you can take." And from those three routes, which one are you going to take? One route was straight ahead, but it had too many trees. The middle couldn't route see. was a clear way. Huh? God, I was just well, saying, you couldn't see. <laughs> I couldn't see. I couldn't see. And um, I wasn't going to be able, once I discovered my leg was injured, uh, upon my first initial trying to walk, I saw some stumps in the middle uh, passage. And uh, I said, okay, to, to make progress when I get to the stumps, I can't jump over it like I normally would, or I can't climb over it. So I had to use my leg against itself a few times. So I pushed my body forward to cover ground. And then I had to take that same leg and drag it with the bone out across these stumps. So I have to do that with life. It, like my heart is bruised. My heart is broken because I was ghosted after that car accident. The same person I went out to save from a suicidal message I got that night is why um, I was even out that night. And that same person ghosted me like after the crash. So I was at my lowest with the person that I thought I loved and um, I haven't heard from them. And so it was one of those things that, that made me realize that you have battled mentally things that uh, no child should be able to to come out of without having mental health issues. And then you have endured your heart. I love every time like it hasn't been broken because in my eyes, it's going to be the next person that I was supposed to love. Right. And if I start treating it like, Oh, nope, someone did me wrong. So I got to keep everybody with a cold heart, an icebox there. If I do that, then when I finally run into Mrs. Wright, 
I'm going to miss out because I had a different, like the ones that I was treating right should have been not treated at all. And then I gave up by the time I got to Mrs. Right. So every time my heart has been able to rebuild itself, you know, um, because it never lost the initial genuine love that you're supposed to have for another human being. It never stopped seeing people as human. So mm-hmm. um, I'm always so forgiving. I'm always so loving when it comes down to that. I'm t- my um, grind, so to speak. I'm very tough when it comes down to the grind because I feel like if I waste all this time doing nothing, it, it just defeats the purpose. Like that could have been me in that house fire. You know, I need to live a life so that, you know, God won't, you know, so it wouldn't have been replaced. You know, my cousins could be out here living, you know, an excellent life. And why would I shortchange what they could have been doing by by halfway doing it? You know, so I'm like, every time when you date me or when you meet me, you're going to encounter a being that is very, very, she's firm, but she's loving, she's caring, and you're going to feel that every time. And the one thing you leave with is knowing this is a passionate human being and she is rare. You never leave without knowing that because I know it. And because I know it, I exude it. Like I walk around with a different kind of, I got a different walk, like a different, I mean, Technically, I do got a different walk because I had to learn how to walk again. You know, when you have to uh, to learn how to walk over again, something you've been doing your whole life, it's a different mental battle. So if God still left my mental intact, and he still left my heart intact out of all of the heart attacks that were coming at me. If he still left me like that, then he has something bigger around the corner. And even if he doesn't, he allowed me to be a vessel for someone else who does have something bigger, even if that person wasn't me. And I feel like you might have said it. It goes back to the whole notion when you realize it's never really about you. It is and it isn't. Because it's just like when you think of a flow that you don't think about its origin or is it about where the destination is? Or are we more concerned as long as the movement of it all? And I think that's what stands out to me as long as we keep with the movement. And it was that movement that saved your life. And it reminds me of a quote from Les Brown. And he says, if you can look up, you can get up. Oh, wow. Wow. That would have been powerful in that accident. Because I was looking up. So that's powerful right there. That's the initial thing that I thought about. I said, oh, my God. And if we look at the trials and tribulations that that we finished or that we've experienced, you always say of how you hit rock bottom. But all it takes is a look up. And I don't think that there's any... um, there's it's not a mistake, I guess, or there's that no mistake or confusion be known that if and I always try to give a clearance because I don't want to ever not include somebody when we're talking about giving a good word, when we're talking about giving a good thing. But I don't think there's a mistake and why people always say they look up to the heavens, mm-hmm. even though I think the coexisting of where it's right here is just on different playing fields of which you allow yourself to open up to. But it's something to look up and forward to. And that's hence why the light is always up. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's down, it's limited if I, my positioning is down. But when you allow the light to cover you in every yeah. situation, <laughs> you realize the source is always up. And when you allow yourself to be obedient, 
when you allow yourself to recognize the authority in which you said, there's a way that you move about yourself. Well, Karen, you know, I I, <laughs> I knew I was going to get all this and more. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm trying something different new out and I want to try it with you as the first guest. And it's something that I'm introducing as the hot seat. And it's based on everything that you already know. And it's just simply some quotes that you've put up on Instagram. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, what's your thought process or what do you want to say as to why you put that up? So first and foremost, oh, one that I think is interesting and, and, and kind of what, you know, embarked this conversation about righteous soul um, and how you allowed her to transcend when you allowed Karen to be in the light. You put up the other day, some will be attracted to my light. Others will fear it. I've decided to shine anyway. What does that mean to you? I think when you were seeing yourself as different, um, that is, when I was at that point, that's when I realized that people are either going to be attracted to the light or they're going to be, they're going to fear it. I had to make a decision. I had to really look in the mirror, really look within myself and say, am I okay no matter which way they see it? And am I okay with allowing them to be able to interpret my life, how they see it? Because depending on what journey people have come from, that's what your life is going to look like to them. So for example, if people are looking at me as, oh, she thinks she's better or she thinks she's um, bougie, they may have come from a different um, background as to where they saw light as intimidation. You know, they didn't see light as a way of helping someone through darkness. They saw light as, oh, it's too much of this getting in. It's too much is blinding me. When you're like someone else, of course, they're going to put up a defense mechanism to be like they're going to um, fear you. You know, they're going to not want your light to shine into theirs because to them, they don't need that much light. For some people, I'm too much light and I get it. And when you're too much light, you become less realistic for them when they've come from a dark world. Like you become like people want to people want to know you're relatable. They can't like if you're always walking around and you're you you've been wealthy. Like if you're wealthy all your life and haven't experienced the same struggles as someone else, they're not going to they're not going to look at you in the same light as they would if someone who started from the bottom now. You know, like Drake started from the bottom and, you know, he really started from the bottom and was grinding differently and was struggling to eat meals and all that kind of stuff. Someone who was also struggling in a neighborhood or a hood area where they can feel Drake, they're going to feel him more than someone else who's just been wealthy all their life, who hasn't had to work for anything. So that wealthy person is, even though they could be a good person, going to come across as too much light for someone who's been surrounded by darkness so much. So I had to realize that righteous, they're not going to hate you always because they want to be you or anything. Some people are going to simply hate your light because it's too much for them. They don't need that much light. For someone who's been in darkness, to see a little light and ease that into them is how they grow. You can't put someone in darkness for 10 days and expect them to be like, like when they first see light, they're going to be, they're going to see hope. But when you shine, move the whole rock out of the way and they see all that light at once, it becomes blinding. And I had to realize that for me, um, you have to be okay with one, 
they're going to see your light differently. People are deal with it. Mm. Two, they're not that light does not always mean good to everyone. And and, and it doesn't. And, and darkness doesn't always mean bad to everyone. Even when we go to bed, we like to turn off the lights, you know, for people that are not afraid of the dark. You know, so you have to keep in mind that darkness even is good in certain instances, but people always make it bad when they're telling stories, right? Darkness is bad. Darkness is bad. When I was out there in the woods, darkness was bad. If I, if I hadn't have been so, God gave me tunnel vision that night. He never allowed me to have an out of the body experience because he knew that had, had I had, I wasn't righteous in that car. I was caring put an out-of-body experience in the middle of the woods with noises and things crawling all around her, she is never going to get to the top of the highway to get help and to live out the, the true meaning of why righteous soul even exists in the first place. He knew not to allow me to be, he knew to knock me unconscious at different levels of climbing out of that uh, ravine. He knew to do it because had he not, I would still be down there as Karen Malone. And like I told you when we started this, she is weak. She is damaged. She sees those fearful things and it allows her to, she stands still. She, she's frightened in moments, you know, righteous, brave, courageous, get on the mic and will pour out her heart and soul. Karen is just this vulnerable, damaged soul that it has allowed a higher power to bring out a, a different light in her called righteous soul. And so, man, you have to understand that light to different people and darkness to different people mean different things. And you have to be okay with them being able to express such and not be offended. Wow. And, you know, for even on the basics of basics level, when I say a fundamental where I think anyone that is listening here can relate to, go to sleep. Wake up <laughs> and have somebody cut the lights on and see if you close your eyes. They're going to be like, whoa. <laughs> you know, the next one I was going to go to, but I feel like you answered and I just want to share it. Um, because when we talk about the transition of Karen to righteous, it's right there. Another one I came across is that I need to stop acting like I'm afraid of my own power and start to move as my highest self completely and unapologetically. That's who you are right now. Self-explanatory. Now, the last one that I want to get at that, um, that really won't, Oh, I got two more. Here's one. Your current habits are perfectly aligned to deliver your current reality. Let that sink in if you're not happy. Change them. I think we're only a reflection of our thoughts and, and who we are in any given moment. If you do not like Mira, if you do, if you think you need to touch up your face that day, do so. Because until you do, you're always going to look at yourself as flawed and with blemishes, but you have the power to change what it is you're looking at but you're so busy saying oh i'm so ugly take the camera off of me i see uh youtubers since i've now started their journey of, of becoming a youtuber uh, i see them a lot of times when the camera gets on them saying oh wait i don't look the part you know or i don't have a makeup don't 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 show me uh to the cameras and honestly um all they have to do is change something um if you don't like what you see you can change it and i think the problem with people is they don't believe in the power of change and they don't believe in intentionality being able to do so. I know for a fact that when I put my mind to something, I can change. If there's a habit that I know, and that's another thing about me, I don't 
I don't think it, it, that every time I came across someone and it didn't work out or that it was always them. I know at different moments I'm toxic, you know, at different, there are different times where even light is toxic, you know, putting that much light into somebody who's not ready to receive that much light. It's a toxic thing. You have to know how much to shine. And then also you have to also understand that you're not in control of the shine either. I'm not in control of Don's like, like when you, when I'm trying to shine my light on you, I'm not in control of what you see. And so when I realized that um, the things that I am in control of, if I don't like something physically or, or even something that I'm doing, that is just a, a bad trait, a bad character trait. Um, one of my positive toxic traits is uh, n- not wanting to quit, not wanting to give up. But that's a bad toxic, like it's a positive thing to not want to give up. But the toxic part is I don't know when to... Um, use that superpower (laughs) like when to use that superpower so it becomes a positive toxic trait and it's like okay i don't want to give up on this relationship but i need to give up on the relationship my strength is that i don't want to give up but now it's toxic because this is when i shouldn't give up so i think when we realize that there are some things about ourselves that we need to change and can change that we do so i think people just don't believe that they can change you know, or don't believe that someone like them can change. Like I've always been this way is what I know. And then that goes back to the uncomfortable thing is to now be someone else. I don't know how when I've always been this one person. Yes, you can. And I'm here as a witness. Um, what I feel like from a grave, I am here to tell you, you can change. You, you can do and be anything you want and that you only have a certain amount of sand in your hourglass. We have no idea where that sand level is right now. For me, it could be very low. For someone else, it could be just flipped over. All I'm saying is, if you only get a certain amount of time, what you can change that could be negative about yourself, why not go ahead and make those improvements? You would if you had the money to do so for your house the pipe was leaking or the glass window was broken. You don't want intruders coming in, right? So fix it. And I equate the glass window being broken to your heart. You know, you don't want intruders getting in there and they can when you're vulnerable. They can when you're damaged, you know? So you have to put those into your house, into your your temple, your body. You know, I'm just going to tell y'all, we only live certain amount of time on this earth let my near-death experiences be something that you can take into your own life and say you know what because she lived i now have the power to you know and i'm nothing special in a sense i just know that i am rare i want you to know that and you are too if you really hone in to those things about you that that the creator has been trying to get you to notice that you kind of overlook because you don't think you could be that special. You are that special. That's why we're all unique. If you stop doing the goal and the thing you were destined on this earth to do, and we're not all working as a well-ordered machine, one of the pieces of the machine is out and that's you. So you kind of make your, your part of the machine work in order for us all to collectively do the job that that machine is designed to do. Wow. And I guess that kind of just took it on home because we all are enlisted to be certain pieces of this puzzle. And that's to deliver whatever good news, whatever good news that's naturally our gift, which goes stems back to the fact of what it means to be in the present and why you are so present now and honing in who you are, what it is you do, and more importantly, why it is that you do what you do. 
So like I said it when the first couple of lines, first couple of minutes, Karen, thank you. <laughs> um, thank you uh, for your ability and just to be brave and to understand what it means to not only to be a beacon in light, but also not be afraid or ashamed or to have to hide when that light is turned back on you. Mm. That is beautiful. Um, I wanted to get into some more about uh, your organization, about how the different workshops you help with healing. So while we have a couple of minutes before we close it out, you know, you've talked about your story. You talked about the work that you do. Tell us about the work that's leading to help heal other people and also accompanying it with um, perhaps a quote that you live by that you think can support someone else. The quote that I live by and my bracelet, I mean, my wristband says it, it's a focus on your focus. Um, I think um, too many times our eyes turn away from our focus. And another quote to put within that part that kind of helps bring that to light is distractions don't look like distractions until they finish distracting you. And so uh, when I read that, I was like, and it was one of the most powerful but simple things uh simple quotes and you know i live by the focus on your focus i have the shirts and i wear those messages um as a part of my righteous greetings uh line that i have coming out and i want to be a walking message whether that be a wristband a t-shirt or um greeting cards all the things that i'll be coming out with merchandise wise will represent a message. All of them will say something. And I think focus on your focus is important when it comes down to the distractions because um, death in the family. I have a big family, so the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I'm not sure if you heard of that. Mm. So like, we've had so many deaths throughout the... My, my grandmother had 18 kids. My mom had 10. And so... Even my our family is huge. So you have people that you've lost throughout the years, and we that's another distraction. If you understand that life, death is a part of life, then you know when it comes down to when someone else is about to die, or you know, it really hits when big mama. When big mama dies, it really hits, you know, because things just different. Family reunions are less, the gatherings are so, but also in my head, I started thinking that I think saying that my connection is unstable. Can you hear me? Yeah, it's kind of fading, but I can make it out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but basically um, it's very important to focus on your focus and to keep in mind that even the deaths, the heartbreaks, the job loss, the income loss from the job loss or the issues that you have with your friends. All of these things are designed to be distractions if you let it. But the moment you realize death is not really a distraction, it's a part of life. Heartbreak is not really a distraction, it's a part of life. Your mind has to go ahead and program itself now to knowing that when these things come, that they are a part of life. See them as such and they become less like a distraction. And distractions are designed to keep you off your focus, right? So if you focus on your focus and, and definitely remember that those things are a part of life, it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It doesn't mean it's not going to take time to heal. It doesn't mean that you think of your parents less because you think of your parents less. Um, it just means our... Um, trying to fulfill a higher calling that requires you to get your emotions and your mental intact. Keep it there. And the only way to keep it there is to focus on your focus. There's a light in front of you. 
That's your focus. Now, on your side view, you have things that are going to happen throughout your life. Never stop looking at the light. And that's how I would say it. Because if you can look up, you can get up. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. I really do. I'm amused though. I like that. Les Brown, right? That's Les Brown. Mamie Brown's baby boy. No. Oh, nice. Uh, Righteous Soul, where can we follow you on social media? How do we keep in contact? How do we learn more? Sell us all the goods because this conversation, people want to know you. Thank you. Um, and I don't prefer them know me. I want them to know my message because mm. me is, you're going to get a lot when you get me, but when you get my message, you get me anyway. Hello? So um, I'm, I'm Righteous Soul. It's spelled different. Spelled W-R-I-T-E-O-U-S. I'm Righteous Soul on all social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I just became a YouTuber um, about a month and a half ago and I'm under Righteous World. That's W-R-I-T-E-O-U-S World. So you get a lot from that particular channel. You get to see Karen in those particular uh, moments because she also, I do pranks. I'll be doing challenges. I'll be doing trivia, games with friends, riding with friends, my injury, my recovery process. You'll get to see that because, you know, I had to learn how to walk again. So that's me learning how to do a lot again. That's a mental journey. So you can find me on all that. And of course, um, my poetry, um, my first album is was The Evolution of Righteous Soul. My second album is done. It's, it's just not out yet. So if you are on any of the digital streaming sites, that's iTunes, that's Tidal, that's Google Music, that's Amazon Music, you'll be able to find Righteous Soul. Um, thank you. I'm trying to treat that like music too. Music, people look up music all different ways. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to put my poetry on diff different platforms. If you want to be a part of the best, you got to start thinking in those realms. So that's why I made my uh, poetry available on all of those digital sites. So y'all can check me out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a beacon of light. and But more importantly, holding on on your promise of delivering the message and um, standing right and being the messenger. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dawn. I appreciate that. Amazing, right? See, it's these kinds of conversations that makes me love doing what it is that I do. You see how things can go from just liking someone's Instagram quotes to having them as a guest on your podcast? So thank you, Righteous Soul, for pinning your truth to walking in your light to inspire the world. And you know, looking back on this conversation, I have one question that keeps coming to my mind. And that is, what's the revelation that you're having in your life? See, I took my pain and my gift and added a little dedication to get me where I am today. Karen took her pain and her gift and used it to become a phenomenal poet and a powerful voice. If you came into this thinking that the only way to get to know yourself and use your pain is through art or through entertainment, I'm going to tell you right now, leave that at the door. See, I use my voice and my art to achieve my dreams, but those are my dreams. I can't tell you what your dreams are, but to only encourage you to discover and tap into them. You deserve that. You're worthy of that. So go ahead and speak your truth. Go ahead and free yourself. Break through whatever fear it is that you've surrounded yourself with and live your best life now on purpose and for a purpose. 
And if you want to keep up to date on the latest with Righteous Soul, you can find her on Facebook at Righteous Soul One and on Instagram at Righteous World. You can also find her phenomenal spoken word album, The Evolution of Righteous Soul, on all music streaming platforms. And as always, you can catch us here on your phone or whichever smart device you love every Monday with more inspiring conversations and insights. And if you're looking to get even more vitamin D in your life, follow me on all social media at Dawn Day Speaks. That's Dawn, D-A-I Speaks on all social media. Okay? All right. Well, until next time, always remember, you are your greatest asset.